Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would take them and turn with me, please, to James chapter number one as we continue our study through James's letter. I did um, say something this morning during the announcement time that I need to make sure that I give you a correction on, okay? Tonight at six o'clock, it's the special call business meeting to elect messengers to the SBC. The 21st is our regular scheduled business meeting, okay? So special one tonight, regular one on May the 21st. All right, how many of y'all like to look in mirrors? How many of y'all like what you see when you look in the mirror? How many of you wish you didn't ever have to look in a mirror? Let me tell you why, because oftentimes it makes you see just how much older you're getting. Now, I know there's some of you here, when you look into the mirror, it's like, uh, whoo. Don't know if the world's ready for you today or not. But anyway, we tend to look into mirrors. Mirrors are there. Mirrors are there to help us. One of the things I want you to understand, James is going to make reference to beholding your face in a mirror. But I want you to understand something. The mirrors that James is speaking about is not like the ones that you and I have today. I'm sure many of you have those mirrors that have those nice lights around them. So it really makes it just okay. Makes it shine, okay? And then you get out from underneath that light and you get away from that mirror and you look in a mirror somewhere else that doesn't have the lights. Like, what in the world? What happened? But the mirror that James is speaking about here was nothing more than a fine polished brass, possibly, if you could afford it, a very high polished silver. So I can tell you right now, could you imagine having to get up every day and get ready to go out the door with a mirror like that? Well, James is going to make reference to a mirror, especially when it comes to our lives. He's writing to believers here. And so what he's getting ready to cover is difficult. And it is difficult for us because what James is writing about is easier said than done. And if if we're not careful, here's what can happen. We can tend to get it out of balance. We get it out of kilter. And sometimes, sometimes in our lives, here's what we do. We... We replace the serving, and we replace the true motive behind why we do with busyness. And so James is, James is going to speak about that here. James is going to speak about hearing the word versus doing the word. He's going to talk about the implanted word, the one that is implanted in our hearts when we become a child of God. And then there's the external word. And so James in verse 19, as he begins this next portion of his letter, and let me just make a broad statement here because this is what James is writing about. The believer in whom the word is implanted is called both to hear and to obey the word. Verse 19, this you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, and slow to anger. To hear. Quick to hear. And then in verse 20, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted. With what? Humility or meekness. To receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You see, there's a practical necessity of eliminating everything that is contrary to the Word of God. And I can tell you, that is a process. That is not something that occurs overnight. And my dear friend, I will, I will say this to you this morning. You will never know what needs to go. You will never know what needs to be there. You will never know the way that you ought to live. You will never know those things that we should be doing in obedience to the Lord unless we spend time in the Word of God. Because it's with inside of the Word that God speaks to us through His Word. It's a revelation of who He is. So for us to be an image bearer today of, of who He is, one of the things that we've got to do then is read the very thing that He gave to us to be more like Him. To be more like Christ. There is absolutely no way that we can ever be more like Christ if we don't read and study the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament spoke about this. And let me say this this morning as a believer, and I'll just kind of cut to the chase here. Hunger for the Word of God is one of the evidences of genuine salvation. For someone to tell me that they've been born again by the Spirit of God and you have no hunger for the Word of God, Something just doesn't add up. Why should there be a hunger for the Word of God? I will tell you why. If you want to know more about the one who sent his son to save you, if you want to know more about the one who loves you so, if you want to know more about the one who loved you while you were still an enemy of his, if you want to know more about the one who has a desire to see you grow in your relationship with him and have all of those things that God has for us, then I will say this to you. There should be a hunger for the Word of God, to study the Word of God. In verse 22, James chapter 1, verse 22, James writes, he said, But prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude, or there's another English word for that is deceive. Is the word deceive, so that you don't delude or deceive yourself. Doers of it. Doers, not, not just merely hearers. I, mean, I can remember growing up, oftentimes I would hear something that I was told to do. That's about as far as it went, because it never happened. It never got done. How many of us do the same thing when it comes to our life as a believer with God? We hear it. We see it. But I will tell you what happens all the time. Self gets in the way. That selfish nature that we have within inside of us that has to be fed every single day, who raises its head all of the time. Well, you know, that doesn't pertain, that, that doesn't pertain to you. You're, you're, really, you're, you're really good in this area, and, and, and you're, really, you're okay over here. Don't worry about all of that stuff over there. 
Why do you need to concern yourself with all of that? Let me tell you why. Because it's in the Word of God. That's why. We should, listen, we should concern ourselves with the whole counsel of God. And I understand there's a mindset out there today that doesn't think that you need to do anything from Genesis to Malachi. Just pick up in Matthew and go to the book of the Revelation because nothing preceding the book of Matthew even pertains to you anyway. So what difference does it make? Let me tell you something. If you want to know some things about God and who God really is and what God expects, go read the Old Testament. And I will say this to you as well. You will fully appreciate what you have under the new covenant, under grace that we just sang about this morning when you understand the Old Testament. It's who we are. But I will tell you, it, it's difficult. It, it's difficult to live out what James is writing here. Because of that old selfish nature that's inside of us. Why do you think Paul struggled with it? Paul struggled with it? Sure he did. Matter of fact, one of the things that Paul wrote, he said, I bring my body into subjection every single day. Why? Because it raises its head every day. And there is not a person in this building this morning that's exempt from that. I don't care who you are. And so Paul also wrote this in Romans chapter number 7. Something, matter of fact, here's what Paul said. He said, those things that I ought not to do, that I wind up doing, he said, I hate. That's the word he used. He said, I hate it. Why? Because he knew he shouldn't be doing it. But he did, he, he did it anyway. And let me tell you why. He said, because there was a battle that was going on inside of me. And I will tell you, it's the same battle you and I experience today. It's that battle between the flesh and the spirit. So why do you think the scripture says, hmm, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. The flesh is weak. So don't just, don't just be a hearer of the word. We have to take the word and function and, and, and do Take your Bibles, keep your place there in James 1. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I know there's a lot of verses there. Go to 103, okay? Psalm 119, verse 103. This hunger for the word of God. Even the psalmist writes for us. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. What, verse 104. For from your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. He said, I hate every false way. Is it, any, is it any wonder that Paul said, the very things that I ought not to do, he said, those that I hate. Yeah, I hate that I do them. Do I hate that I do things? Yes. Do I hate that sometimes I don't do? Yes. But all of us that are in this building today, here's one of the things that I want you to understand. It is a process. It is a, it's a daily journey. And I will tell you what, when we divorce ourselves 
from the scripture, from the word of God, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't get any better. It gets progressively worse. But not only should there be a hunger for the word of God, but you must become or keep on becoming a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Look back at James chapter 1 and verse 22 again. He said, but prove yourselves doers of the word. In other words, that that word prove in verse 22 is an interesting word. It actually comes from the Greek word genomai. And here's what it means. It means to become or keep on becoming. By proving, here's what it does. We are becoming. We keep on becoming a doer of the word. It's proving the relationship that we have with the Father by doing what? Having a hunger for the Word, studying the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. And matter of fact, meditating on the Word of, the, on the, on the Word of God is a spiritual discipline. It ought to be something that's a part of our lives. And I will tell you, we all get busy. How many of you have gotten busy, so busy to the point that you've allowed those things such as a devotion time or spending time with the Lord to kind of slip by the wayside today. Well, I'll catch up with it tonight at the end when I, get, when I get back and things will calm down. And you go to bed that night and you wake up the next day and yesterday just kind of is there. Because inside of your heart it's like, boy, I sure miss yesterday. And, and I can say this to you this morning. I can tell in my own life when I miss that time just seems like something's missing. Does it to you? It should. It ought to. But here's where we have to be careful. That we don't become so satisfied with the knowledge of the word that we forsake living out its truth. Don't ever... Allow yourself to become so self-satisfied with the knowledge of the word that we forsake living out the truth. The world doesn't care how much you know. I'm, I'm listening to Scott. I'm, I'm sizing Scott up here while he's, he's talking about rugby. I'm like, I don't know that you're quite big enough, son. When he talks about these big guys that play rugby, okay. How many of y'all are familiar with, who in here is not familiar with rugby at all? Well, let me, and, and, and Scott can correct me. If I'm not mistaken, they don't play with pads, helmets, and they tackle each other on the, on the field. Huh? It's tough. It, it's a tough sport. But, you know, I was, I was sizing Scott while, while, while he was up here. And this, and this, this living out, and as he was sharing, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about you, but my heart was swelling up inside of me because let me, let, me, let me share what he was talking about. Supporting their ministry that we do. Praying for them. Hearing what's taking. Let me tell you one of the things that we ought to do as a church. When he started sharing with me, because I know how difficult that area is over there when it comes to the gospel. And when he's talking about these ones, these college kids that are coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and then he, I heard him share with those that are going to be moving away that they've invested in and planted the seed in and been able to harvest the fruit and watch them go. 
the prayer in his heart is that they carry that gospel on. Let me tell you, my heart swelled up inside of me. Let me tell you why. To see God's grace at work through their lives in England in a difficult place. And when he said, but God, I said, that's the answer. That's the answer for us today. But God. I know life's hard. I know life's difficult. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Don't forsake the knowledge for living it out every day so that the world can see this. They don't care what you know. What they want to know is, is it real to you? Because if it's real to you, it'll be lived out in your life every day. You know, John provides some practical application for this. If you will flip over real quickly to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 and verse 4. Notice as John writes, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected or completed. By this we know that we are in him. From what? His word. His word. Let's go back to James chapter 1. Any response to the word, any response to the word, implanted or external. Because James is dealing with both the implanted word as well as external. Any response to the word other than faithful obedience is self-deceptive. Let me say something to you this morning, okay? We don't get to just pick and choose. It's not about us picking and choosing. It's about the whole council. Well, this applies to me. That one doesn't. That one doesn't apply to me. This one does. That doesn't apply to me. This one does. No, take the whole council of God and let it change you from the inside out. Obedience to the word of God is a test of spirituality should be a part of our lives. Let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 23 and verse 24. So a man who hears the word of God but does not obey it, it's like a person who looks in the mirror and after stepping away immediately forgets what he looks like. I would imagine some of us in here speaking to myself, not to any of y'all. When I look in that mirror sometimes in the mornings, okay, I turn away but it's not hoping at some point to forget what I look like, but it's saying to myself, I hope I forget real quick. But notice what James says in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked or glanced at himself and gone away, He has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So what should we do? You have to look intently. It can't just be a glancing, casual look. It has to be intently. 
when we look at the word, it should be intently. Intent from what perspective? For knowing who we are in light of the word of God. It's difficult. Because I want to tell you something. Know when you read and study the Word of God and you find out just and you see how short you fall? When you see just how you just, mm, well, I sure missed it. Not just from those things that we do that may be wrong, but from the things that we don't do that we ought to do. God desires to have a relationship with you, to use you in the capacity according to his will, not for ours. We're to gaze into it carefully with serious intent. As the psalmist wrote, search me, O God. Mm, Be careful. Be careful when you ask God to search you. And to show you. Because you might not like what you see. Verse 25. But one who looks intently. At the perfect law. The law of liberty. And abides by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer. But an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Quick glances will not do. They don't work. You ready for this? Let me just let me just give it to you this way. The blessing at the end of verse twenty-five. The blessing comes in the doing, not in the reading or hearing. You want joy? Go do. You want blessing? Go do. Is it a blessing to have the Word of God? It is. But do you want to bless someone else? Go do. Go do. So what's the conclusion of all this? We must examine our own hearts and live in the light of God's Word. And let me say this to you this morning. This requires time, attention, and sincere devotion. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So I'm going I'm to leave three questions with you this morning. You, def- you, you can reflect on these three questions. And I just want to give them to you this morning. Because all three of these fit inside of James chapter 1, verse 19 through verse 25. Here's the first question. Am I genuinely committed to personal holiness? Am I genuinely committed to personal holiness? I know for Baptists, the word holiness can get a little scared, but I'm going to tell you something. Here's what the scripture says, for us to be holy, why? Because he's holy. Second question. Am I acting on what I see in the word of God? So when I read and study the Word of God and it speaks to my heart, do I act upon it? In some fashion, in some place, in some way in my life, do I act on it? 
then the third question for you this morning from this passage is this. Am I living out the gospel? The gospel, my dear friend, is more than just words that come off of your lips. It's words that are followed by our action. So James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of it. For what reason? So that you will be an effectual doer. In other words, an effective doer. A vessel fit for his use. Growing, progressing in our life each day. And understanding what grace is all about. Because it's simply by his grace that all of us are here this morning. And just to piggyback on what Scott said earlier, but God. But God.